Good Tuesday evening, everyone listening in. Welcome to the Hidden Treasures Reveal podcast. Looking forward to what Yah is going to be bringing uh, for everybody tonight and for us as well. And we'll be with you in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Phil, we're back together on Tuesday evening. Did you have a good day today? I did. It was a little warm. I did get a little warm today, and then we had that that short little shower, then the humidity jumped up a decent amount, but uh, still a good day, but it was a warm day. I agree as well. I had a good day as well, and this, what we're going to be talking about tonight goes along with the different podcasts that we have, just a continuation on really how the mind works, what the mind does. And this is such a key part of faith in Yah. It's not just understanding the gospel message and the parts of it and following it, but it's really understanding what it is to live life. And when I say life, the life of God, because there's a lot of people that are living what they perceive as life and it's really death because they don't have faith in God. So this is coming to mind that this is a way to help those that are on the journey to find life, which is seeking God with all your heart because God is eternal life. And this came to mind with, we had recently, you and I were talking about the podcast and we were looking at the different podcasts and how many people were listening in. And it, it came to mind that the psychology of the mind is one of the downloaded. Now it doesn't mean that it's, it's the most downloaded. It doesn't mean that people aren't listening to other podcasts, but it seems like there's certain ones that people really want answers to. And the psychology of the mind is one of them. And this came to mind with as a extenuation of the psychology of the mind, how the mind works along with brainwashing and mind control to give us just more understanding of the life of God, because yes, the gospel message is pivotal in order for you to be, have your salvation secure, the hope of salvation, but walking as Messiah did is doing what he did, having the mind of Messiah, because we're told in the word that we have the mind of Messiah. When you're in Messiah, you have the mind of Messiah, which is your mindset is everything that I'm doing, my desire over everything is to be pleasing to God, to do the will of God, to be obedient to them, to think like God thinks. And the way to think like God thinks is you have to be self-controlled. Now, when I say self-controlled, it's not a linear where, all right, you have self-control and you're done. No, it's a circular aspect of ever-increasing self-control, that that is your very being. Now, it's part of your being is you control yourself, and the way you control yourself is you know what is in your lower conscience, and you know what's in your upper conscience. That's ultimately, if you were perfected, 
then you would be able to in perfection control everything you do because you know why you do everything you're doing. We're in the process now of walking in self-control, meaning we're learning more and more self-control. And the way to do that is to know why we're doing what we're doing. And the way this came to mind this evening had a few things, had something on my mind, but this overshadowed it. I was downstairs with my wife and daughter and they had a TV show on that I've seen. I don't think it's the one I've seen before, but it's a show called Hoarders. And it was on, I think it's an A&E show, but it was on YouTube. And actually, let me take a step back. There was a show about a person that was hoarding. And then later on, when I came back, I actually had the show Hoarders on. And there were two different stories. And how this came to mind was I've watched this show before and I had a different mindset in it than I do now. And I'll explain what my mindset was and what my mindset is now. The first one was there was a gentleman that was cleaning a woman's kitchen. It was an elderly lady that apparently she had some kind of health problems. She had her husband that had died and just had several health issues, stroke or something. She couldn't get around. So she was pretty much what he did was it showed him cleaning the kitchen. Most of the house was kind of packed up with debris and trash and things. And he was focused on the kitchen. And it just had all kinds of, this person was really into collecting Pepsi memorabilia. So they had Pepsi cartons all over the floor, had dishes everywhere, had food piled up. And as he was going through cleaning, it, it showed him cleaning and in the kitchen and on the floor was just all kinds of dead maggots. And I mean, it was just a, a real big, as they refer to a biohazard. And it, the essence of this was he was explaining how he was cleaning everything up. So he was cleaning up for this person. He didn't get into talking to her about why she was doing what she was doing. He gave a short explanation, but then he was in the kitchen. The majority of it was just showing all the details that he was doing to clean up all of the, the mess and debris and all that stuff. Then, so that got my mind going. But then on the second one, they had a lady that her and her husband had been married for a while and they would go and do flea markets. We were just talking about flea markets recently. And most of their life was they would buy things. They would, when companies would liquidate, they would go and buy, liquidate whatever they had and they would buy it and they would store it in their house. They built an addition on their house. They had a garage out back. They had an 18 wheeler, uh, actually the trailer part that had cabinets in it and all kinds of stuff. And they would just be, just be buying and buying. And what happened was her husband ended up dying and she was left there and just her whole house was just filled with clothes and appliances, office furniture. And if anybody, and Phil, I'm sure you're familiar with the show too, but if you've watched the show before, what it does is it goes in and it gives the person's story and they show the house and it's all cluttered and they're attempting to figure out why it's all cluttered. They have a psychologist or they may even had a psychiatrist come in at one point, but on this one, they had the psychologist come in they had the cleaning specialist come in, they had the family come in and sort of a mini intervention to say, okay, something needs to change here. Something is wrong here. And what got me on this aspect was, was that they had several things that the psychologist was talking about. And it got me thinking about what Yah has been teaching us about how the mind works and different changes that were we've made and are making. And as they were going through this, they would come to the person, the, this lady that was the, quote, hoarder, 
saying that she's got a problem. She's hoarding. And why are you hoarding? And ultimately, as I'm listening, there was a lot of guilt because of her husband. It come to find out through her own words that she was upset and frustrated at her husband for dying and leaving her position of having to deal with all this. And she didn't want to let go of things that she had. And they, they didn't really come at her in a manner of, well, you have to do this. But they, they were walking that edge of, you really need to make a change and really trying to attempt to attempt to force her to let go of stuff. And she would say, no, I don't want to do this. And then they had somebody come in that would give a price of cars she had in the yard. And, and they say, that's a $200 car. And she's like, no, 500, I'm not selling it. And you could see that they started to get frustrated with her. Like, Hey, we're here to help you get rid of this stuff and you don't want to do anything with it. And then some stuff she say, okay, well, I'm willing to part with this. And what stood out to me was a statement that was made by the psychologist. And he said, because she was saying, I just feel so bad. I feel so bad. And he said, and we think her name was Althea, I think it was her name. And he says, Althea, we're not here to make you feel better. We're here so that you can live better. Correlated that to the faith journey in Yah is that, yes, there's times where you're going to feel bad. But the point of faith is not for you to feel good. It's for you to live good. And yes, you're going to deal with feelings in faith that we're not saying that you don't have feelings, but the focus was so much on she was feeling bad and he would stop her and say, look, I know that you have emotions about this, but the goal of this is for you to live better. And by you living like this, that it's not the best way for you to live. And I'll explain what I meant before when I said I used to have one way of thinking of it and the thinking that I have on it now. Before I would look at this and think, my gosh, these people, gosh, I can't believe that somebody would hoard like that. And just, you've got all this trash you can't get in your bedroom. You got to climb over boxes and rotting food. And how could somebody live like that? And why do people do these things? And most of the people that are on there, they're there to support the person, but they'll say, you need to change this. You need to change that. And you need to, and it took me right back to something that we had brought out in our church gathering and and Tori had brought this up, mentioning the golden rule that if you see it in somebody else, then it's your problem. It's something for you to work on. And it took me right back to Messiah when he was talking to the people listening to him and they were, he was saying, be careful that if you see the speck in your brother's eye, you don't consider the log that is in your own eye, meaning that you don't see all that trash and garbage that's in your mind, you, well, you do see it, but you see it in somebody else's eye and you think, well, they need to fix this. They need to fix that. And I did not see one moment on this program where the other people said, you know what? I'm just like this person. I'm doing the exact same thing. The focus was on hoarders. These people that are just out of control and they do all these things and they even asked the lady a few questions on why are you, why are you holding on to this? And she honestly said, I don't know. And that's what we've been getting into with the message of God is that if you don't know why, then that's your lower conscience to where you don't know what you're doing. And that's something to work on to figure out why are you holding on to all these things? Why are you not letting it go? Cause they kept telling her over and over, you got to let it go out let it go. You got to let it go. If she doesn't know what, she's holding on to, then how does she know how to let go in order to be able to get rid of all this stuff? And she, there was a brief moment that I was listening. I was like, that's part of the reason is she 
puts these things to her husband and living with him. And if she lets these things go, then she's letting the husband go and she doesn't want to let go of him being alive. And she's holding on to that security of him doing this. And that's why she wasn't ultimately wanting to let it go because she doesn't want to accept that he's dead. And that was in her mind and her lower conscience. But this ties to our life. And a question came to mind with this as I was evaluating it. And the question from Yah was to ask, and we can ask ourselves this and ask others is, do you know a hoarder? And if anybody's got a mirror in your house, as there's a mirror over here in the corner, look in the mirror because everybody hoards. This is, yes, it's a program to focus on somebody else hoarding, but ultimately everybody does because if you think about your lower conscience, and you have the sin nature in your heart, is not your heart that you can't see full of garbage and dead maggots and filth and all these things, and you look at somebody else and say, man, they're just, they need to get it together. Look at this filthy kitchen. I mean, it's got dead bugs everywhere, and it's got just grease, and and I was sitting there watching it, and, and my mindset now as I'm watching it was compassion because I was looking at this lady, and I was like, Wow, this whole thing, there, the, the focus, yes, is on her, but it made me think of me and my lower conscience and all the things that are there, things that you don't see, things that you've done in the past that have been hoarded in there, that crash do I walk over and climb through and dig through that in the past, just like her, that even things now they're not seeing that you're just walking through that trash and accepting it as opposed to, why aren't you cleaning up the trash that's there? But if you don't recognize that you have an issue with it and you don't know why you're hoarding, then you're not going to be able to change anything because even at the end when they were intervening somewhat and getting rid of some of the things, it had a little note at the end that says that, that the lady has not received other help. And then she's allowing more stuff to get back in her garage that they had cleaned out. And it made me think of if the person doesn't want to change anything, then it doesn't matter what you clean out that it's going to go right back in again. And a few times they would ask her and she would say, no, I don't want to get rid of that. And the person said, well, if you don't want to get rid of it, then there's nothing we can do to help you. And that's the thing is that Yah, through seeking with all your heart, Yah can help with the hoarding. But ultimately, if you don't want the help, then even if the help is available, you're not going to be able to use it and you're not going to be able to clean up your lower conscience, therefore clean up your life, know what you're putting in. And it's just like a computer. You have a computer that's got all kinds of files all cluttered where you defragment, you get all the files put in the proper order. And that's one of the goals of faith is to walk in self-control and that's to get your life in order to keep your life in a balance and not be hoarding things and not seeing why you're doing things, why you're putting why are you buying all these things? Why are you doing all these things? And it just, it went immediately to faith in Yah of that everybody hoards and to stop pointing the finger at why somebody would be hoarding and attempt to work on your life and see where's their hoarding and how can I change this? Because everybody does it. And it is a mental disorder because hoarding is a disorder. There's no order. That's why everything is thrown around. It's all piled up. And I was just like this, and it was just coming to mind, this is a something so important to talk about with the faith journey is that that's the thing. If we don't dig into the lower conscience to see what's there and get rid of the clutter and put 
get it organized and put the godly in, then we live a life of hoarding, of putting things in that are dysfunctional. And we just keep living in life thinking that and it's just a pile of garbage. It's a big pile of trash and all the layers of dirt and grime. And it made me think with this as well, is that if you think that you can change this on your own without faith in God, you're not going to be able to. Now you can make some changes, but the aspect of getting the inside clean, as Messiah said, if you clean the inside of the dish, the outside will be also what he was saying is, is that when you clean the heart, the overflow of the mouth is is from the heart, is how the, the mouth speaks. So clean the inside, and then therefore what comes out of your mouth will be clean because the inside is clean. So this aspect of hoarding is a just a great example to look at faith and look at how the mind works and why we do the things that we do. And we can look at it and say, wow, I have an opportunity to change something here. I can live a better life that isn't cluttered and piled up with trash. I can have a nice, clean life and that is through the faith journey and yeah and this was just i was just getting a lot out of it from spiritual lessons on this because as i watched it before i thought you know it keeps saying these people these people and it's like the psychologist that comes in do they really understand the aspect of hoarding in their own life in order to actually be able to help this lady or are they just going by their training and they're like yeah well you're a hoarder you've got this this problem you need to fix it but then you don't see the hoarding in your own life. And that's what Yeshua was saying was that you're to point the finger to fix somebody else, but you don't even consider all the, the stuff that you're doing that's making you a hypocrite because you're not attempting to change any aspect of your life and the way that you're showing, you're telling actually somebody to change. So if anybody has ever seen the show or heard of it, I would recommend checking it out, not from a aspect of saying, well, these people are, have these disorders, but look at it as, wow, how can I look at my life like this and just think about the programming that I've got in my lower conscience that's there that I'm not seeing some of it that I am seeing. And if you really want to declutter and get away from that hoarding, you really have to understand more and more how the mind works, that all that stuff can come about in one day's time for this lady that she has all this stuff. It, it, it came from months and years of packing all that stuff away and not really knowing why she was doing it and then having to deal with it all at one time. And she even broke down and got overwhelmed and said, just kept saying, I just can't, I just can't. It's just too much. And the guy was saying, no, you say you can't, but really you won't, you don't want to. And she was getting overwhelmed and I can see the aspect of her getting overwhelmed and looking at it like they were pressuring her to change. But one of the things I got from it was, if she doesn't want to get rid of any of this stuff, then ultimately, even if they take it away, it's going to come right back until she actually says, I'm going to change something. That That's actually when you can start picking through all the stuff. Because think about it, a life, somebody that's lived 40, 50 years, I mean, you've got so much stuff in your lower conscience that you don't even see, and you live out of your lower conscience. And this is just an opportunity just to have insight into how the mind works, really tie this to faith that we actually have in the Bible where Messiah talks about this is that you're so focused on fixing everybody else around you when the only person that you can fix is you. You can influence others, but only that person can be motivated from the inside. They have to be motivated by them making decisions to change. All we can do is we can apply pressure, 
but we can't make anybody do anything. Uh, people think, well, these people are making me do this. And no, nobody can make you do anything. You have to choose to do it. And we talked about this before. If you're a young child and you're, there's certain things that yes, you, you're forced to do it, but we're talking about from an aspect of being an adult here that you put the blame on somebody else. And ultimately you choose to allow somebody to influence you. You're the one that has that control. And this is just uh, digging into the deeper aspect of the mind in this on, in regards to the hoarding. So Phil, that was my, this afternoon, but I just, I just thought this was such an interesting topic to bring to people's mind because the majority of people would say possibly, well, I'm not a hoarder. I don't do those things. Yeah. But if you're honest with yourself and you really think logically and you think with an open mind that you'll see that you do do the same things, you just don't see that you're doing it. Again, <clears throat> again, one of the aspects of psychology of the mind is the subconscious, the things that you don't know that in your conscious mind that you have placed in your lower conscious mind. And when we talk about psychology of the mind, we're in a time now where <clears throat> mental instability is just that much more uh, prevalent. Uh, everybody has mental instability. They just look at everybody else and think everybody else is crazy and they feel like they're normal. Uh, but without faith in God, you can't be normal enough to be uh, mentally stable. And what happens is, is people are supposed to act a certain way. And so they keep suppressing the way they feel so they won't act out in a different way. But eventually, that suppression, it's like a pressure cooker. It's going to build up and eventually it's going to explode. And it's interesting because you made a comment about, you know, when uh, we might put pressure on somebody, the only person that we would put pressure on to work on anything would be the one that says, I recognize I have a problem and I want to change. If the person doesn't want to change, then you're casting pearls before the swine, whether you're talking to them about faith or you're talking to them about cleaning their house or whatever it is, cleaning up their life from drugs, alcohol. It, it really doesn't matter if they don't want to change. And a lot of people don't recognize that they need to change because they're comfortable with what they're doing and uh, they don't see the detriment that it is to them. And so even from this perspective, if somebody says, I'm not ready for this, that means they haven't made the decision that they want. And this is a key factor. And psychiatrists and psychologists spend too much time trying to transform the mind of somebody who doesn't want it. And you're wasting your time because those are the people that will revert back to what they were doing because they don't want to change anyway. Now they may do it for a short period of time to get out of jail or to uh, get a, a relief somehow from the court system. But eventually they're going to go right back to it. Why? Because they didn't want to change it. People who 
uh, and quit smoking, quit drinking alcohol, quit uh, doing drugs. It's the same thing that if they don't want it, leave them alone. Uh, you can't fix the world and you, you definitely can't fix the world when the world doesn't want to be fixed. When people don't want to be fixed, there's nothing you can do for them. And that's why I, I probably, uh, if I was a psychologist or a psychiatrist, I probably wouldn't, uh, make a ton of money doing it because the first question I would have to ask somebody would be, do you want to change? And if the answer is no, then I, I can't help you. I, there's an absolute that I can't help you. But a lot of times, well, we'll have these sessions and you charge money and you make money on trying to get somebody to change their mindset. But the reality is they're not going to. And this is an aspect of something that we've talked about that brings in cognitive dissonance, which is when somebody doesn't want to change and you try to convince them to change, they're going to uh, dig their heels in and they're going to push back because they don't want to change. You're wanting them to change. They don't want to change. So you make suggestions and then they fight against it. Well, why won't you listen to me? Well, why won't you leave me alone? If somebody wants to be left alone, leave them alone. It's not our responsibility to save everybody in the world. It's not. And, and in fact, you can only work towards your own salvation. You can help others by being an, an example that they can follow in your footsteps. But even the people that think that, that they're the most sane and they don't have any issues, they do. Think about the last time you lost control in anger and had a, had a fit of rage and it didn't have to be in front of somebody. It could have been in your car driving. Nobody saw it, but you're, you're screaming at the top of your lungs and, and banging the steering wheel or whatever. And well, that's men mental instability and everybody has mental imbalance that that's a fact of it. The key is, is that you find faith, then you can start to balance out those mental issues and those mental conditions that are going on. But you cannot help somebody, so do not try to help somebody that does not want to help. The person that comes to you and says, hey, I really want to change who I am. I don't know how to, but I really want to change who I am. Okay. All right. Do, if you really want it, how, how much, you know, how bad are you willing to work? What are you willing to do? to get it done. Well, I'm willing to do anything. I, this has got to change. Okay. Now we can work with that because it's still going to take time and process through practice in order to change something. And so Sean, when you look at the hoarders show, how about this? Would you want somebody coming into your house and getting rid of the stuff that you treasure. Now, you might have something in the basement where somebody came in and they'd get rid of it. And you'd be like, well, I'm just out of sight, out of mind. I, I don't need that. I get rid of it anyway. But what about the things you treasure? Do you want somebody coming into your house and, and going through and taking those things and trying to get rid of them? No, the, 
the only one I would want in my house would be if I allow the person to come in and, and, or I want you to take this out of my house and I'll, I'll allow you to come in, but no, I wouldn't want anybody. And that's part of this show is they even had the lady's family come in and she broke down in tears and said, I didn't want you to see me like this. Well, that shows that people whore because well, I don't want people to know I'm weak. So I'm going to just shove everything in the background because I don't, I don't, it, if it, it wasn't to where she was actually asking for help, they were there because the, the city was going to get her out of the house if she didn't clean up all the stuff around. So it wasn't like, Hey, please help me with this hoarding. I really need help. It was, well, you need to do something or, or you're going to be fined or, or penalized. And you could see that her eyes were kind of wandering like, so do you want to get rid of this? Well, I don't know. And like, she kept hanging on to stuff and she kept in, she was, she kept digging in and digging in deeper and they would come at her and, and you could see they were in a way manipulating to get, well, is this really what you should be doing? And we know you don't want to do it, but you, and then the family says, get rid of this stuff. It's over with. Why don't you just let it go? Why don't you? And I could just see him pointing at her. And it's like, the reason she isn't letting this go is because she doesn't want to let it go. It doesn't matter what you tell her. And, and as you just said that, I just remember going back and she was digging and she just kept digging harder. And they kept, instead of just saying, all right, but we'll leave you alone. They said, well, is this really the best thing you should be doing? And she digs in harder and then, and then right. she just wouldn't let it go. So what would the other people other than that lady, what would the other people say if you ask them the question I ask you, how about I come into your house and I start digging through the things that you treasure that, that, or that's not trash to you. It's treasure they would have the same answer you did. No, don't, don't touch that stuff. That that's, that's good stuff. That's mine. Well, that's the reality is you're taking, you're trying to take and remove her treasure. Well, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how filthy it is. It's her, it's her treasure. It, how many times do people say one man's trash is another man's treasure. And the reality is what one man thinks is trash. Another person thinks is treasure. Now, like you said, in the lower, they don't know why they're treasuring that, but they're treasuring it for a reason. It gives them some sort of peace, some sort of comfort when they have something that they can't part with that they, they never use. And it's just there there, that is a treasure to them because it, it, it gives them some memory or it gives them some comfort, some feeling of, and it could be trash to you. But everybody hoards, and what you're hoarding is treasure to you. And so they don't look at it when they're doing these shows. They don't look at it like they're trying to get rid of somebody's treasure they look at it like well this is all trash and all this stuff it's got to go because it's trash it's nasty but the reality is is i could go to your house and i could find the the trash that i think is trash but it's a treasure to you because you want to keep it for some reason you haven't used it in five years but you want to hold on to it maybe it's got sentiment value maybe it is you don't want to let go of somebody who has already died and that's your way of holding on to that person 
It could be a McDonald's hamburger that you bought for them the day they died and you still have it. Why? Because it's a treasure to you. And so the the first thing is, is that they make a big mistake by uh, going in and one, like you said, they go in and the person doesn't really want the help because okay, the city's going to remove her from the house. Well, you do this, you clean up the house. You're only band-aiding it because she's going to end up back in that again if she didn't want to change. And so it's hugely important to recognize that whenever you look at what somebody else has and you deem it to be trash, be careful because you can be easily trampling on somebody's treasure because you think it's trash but it 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 is precious to them and that's why they hold on to it it doesn't make sense to you but it's still their treasure and so it's really important that that one that people understand everybody hoards everybody hoards okay even Messiah hoarded. Hoarding is not a bad thing. Hoarding is scriptural, done under the right perspective. Because what is hoarding? You're, you're, you're saving these things. Or storage. So Right. You're, you're storing these things for a reason and a purpose. Store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Because ultimately, when you see these hoarder shows and you see people that hoard, or from, from, from their perspective of hoarding, you're actually, that's their treasures that they're storing up. And that's why they don't want to get rid of them. And that's why it's so difficult. And you become, or you act very unfeeling to somebody by telling them, one, that it's trash, and two, that we've got to get rid of all your all your trash and they're sitting there you're getting rid of all this all of the stuff that's mine all the good stuff all the all my treasures you're trying to get rid of them and again it's not that they consciously understand that because whatever's in their lower conscience that's keeping them holding on to those things but even the person who has i uh, the spotless clean house they go through and they clean everything they dust and they vacuum every day and and you walk in there and then nothing's out of line those people hoard you ever seen you ever go into a house like that where people are on top of the cleaning and all that and everything's in order and you, well the the show hoarders would wouldn't sit there and say well, this person's hoarding. No, but you look up at a bookcase that's got five, six, seven hundred books that never get touched. People have mansions and have this big library and they have all these books, but they don't read them all. They, they hoard them. Why? because it gives them some sort of treasure need. So you wouldn't put them on a show called Hoarders, but to 
reality is, is you could go through their house and if you just spent time studying them, you would see that they, that that stuff that they have that's all nice and kept neat, they don't use it. It's, it's not being used except for there's some, uh, there's something that grips them in their lower conscience and that's why you hold on to things. And anybody that might sit there and say, I'm not a hoarder, okay? Go into your kitchen. And yeah, in go, this day, go into the pantry. In this day and age, you go into your kitchen and go into the pantry and open it up and tell me that everything in your pantry will be cycled out within the next month. And tell me there's nothing sitting in your pantry that hasn't been there more than a year. Right. I, I, I can guarantee you everybody has something in their pantry. And if they don't have something in their pantry, then they have six water bottles or three Yeti coffee cup with coffee mugs. And you only use a couple of them, but you got to have the other ones just in case. Look in your cabinets in your kitchen, your, your utensils. Do you have utensils that you haven't touched? in a year or two? Do you have pots? Do you have bowls? Do you have spices that you haven't touched? Everybody hoards stuff for some reason. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing for you to have stuff if you're going to use it. And don't get me wrong, I just had to clean my storage room because it not I don't see it so much as a, it's the, treasure that I had, it was just a dumping station where we just, you'd put and put and put, and then eventually you got to get rid of it. Well, or you got to do something with it and going through, and I've got a lot of tools that, um, I had for my construction business that I haven't used. I haven't touched them in years. So why are they still on the shelf? Well, I'm, I'm getting, uh, in the process of uh, putting them online so I can sell them and get rid of them. And then I'll hold on to the ones that I use on a regular basis. Cause I do use some stuff with work and some stuff around the house. I use some of those tools. Um, but I had uh, a laser level in a box. It's a, uh, a $500 piece of equipment that I had for doing drop ceilings when I had the business and the business has been closed since uh, 2010, and I hadn't used that. So I gave it to my daughter's husband. Uh, he's an electrician, and so he could possibly use it on, on the job. And so, and I had a, a biscuit joiner that I used for a while with business. I made some cabinets and stuff, and but I wasn't using it. I hadn't touched it in five years. I gave him that. Because we have to really look at what are we hoarding? What are we holding on to? Why are we holding on to it? And then deal with whatever it is. A lot of times you hold on to things because of sentimental value. 
and some things you know it's sentimental value why and some things you don't know why you just can't get rid of it and you know as a kid i you know growing up didn't really have uh we didn't have a whole lot and so i always had you know like the little trinkets the trinket boxes and it was the the big thing they go over at the fourth of july and pitch your your dime so you could win the ugly looking goblet and the <laughs> and the dishes and you got those things and you want them and it was a treasure to you and everybody else anybody else would look at them and be like oh my gosh them things are ugly because they were if, if you look back on it they were some ugly things uh back then but to a kid it was like oh man this is cool and and then i still had some of that stuff when i was 16 18 and it's like why because it gives you some good feeling some uh feeling of comfort and so the reality is is that we will hoard but the objective goal is have faith in yah and make your hoarding in heaven you you store up your treasures in heaven don't things here I don't care what you buy, what you get, what you have in your house. One day, it's going to be in a landfill. Whether you put it there, whether your wife puts it there, whether your daughter puts it there, or if you have grandkids, or if your daughter doesn't have any kids, and eventually somebody's going to take that stuff to the dump. Now, there's, there'll be somebody that'll be like, be like, oh, this is cool. I'll, I'll hold on to this. This is, I'll keep this. And for what? A lot of times it's for the fact of sentimental reasons that you don't realize, you don't know consciously why you're doing it. But this is why we talk about digging into the subconscious, digging into the past, figuring out where you are hoarding things, uh, both uh, physical things and mental, emotional things, because you'll hold on to tragedy or a trauma that happened to you as a child and that's in your lower conscience and you don't think about it on a daily basis but that tragedy and trauma affects you on a daily basis because it's in your lower conscience and your lower conscience is using that where it's necessary for your own preservation my mind as we this is great discussion my mind went to it with this as we started was is thinking about the spiritual aspect of it is I wasn't thinking about hoarding as maybe my mindset was thinking of it as a negative, but not seeing the, the functional side of it with the, the truth of God. And I thought about this with the rich man, the rich young ruler with Messiah, that his treasure was all of the wealth and all of the things that he had. And he wanted eternal life. And what are you willing to give in exchange for, eternal life with God because he Messiah didn't come to him saying, Hey, rich young ruler, you need to have eternal life. I'm going to tell you how to get it. He came to him and went away sad at the time because you mean I have to give up what is my treasure. And it came to my was what before faith in God, what is everybody's greatest treasure is yourself. You have to be willing to give yourself up in order to gain the treasure of God. And I remember when, in the word in the old testament it says that when yah was talking to abraham that he came to abraham and he said abraham i am your treasure your very great reward the treasure is god 
is knowing God, having a relationship with Yah. That's the treasure. And in order to find, to be worthy of that treasure, you have to be willing to give up your treasure, which is your very self. You have to be willing to lay down your life and give it all up for God to give up the most important thing. Because you tell me that if somebody is not pursuing in God, that ultimately your treasure, the most important person in their life is them, that their, their own, their treasure is their selfishness, everything that they want. Because would the rich man have a problem with, if this was your treasure, if eternal life with God was your treasure, you would give up everything. And that was the key is if this is really your pursuit. Why would it matter if I told you to give up everything you're asking for eternal life? So eternal life isn't worth giving up yourself. So you're more important than eternal life with God. And at the moment, and we don't have a record if he changed his mind or not, but he says he went away. Sorry. And Messiah didn't go after him and say, Hey, I just told you the truth. Why are you rejecting me? Well, too bad for you. You're going to miss out. He just, all right, I'll just move on to the next person in this store up for yourselves treasures in heaven store up the truth of God and your lower conscience, live as Messiah did. And when you get the perfected body, you will continue in that knowledge and understanding on into eternity. But everything else that is not of God, tangible things, like you said, like the, the creation and the, all the, where I'm sitting on this couch, you're in the chair, the floors, the food, ultimately at some point, yeah, it might be 60 years, a hundred years later, but ultimately all of it's going to melt back down into the earth anyway. And, so figure out where we can live in a balance. We can live with self-control and replace the things that are dysfunctional with the functional and we can get it organized and live a more peaceful life. And you look at a, just thinking back to the show, you look at that house that this person was in and the people would walk in and say, can you really live in comfort here? You can't even get to your bedroom. You're walking through piles of trash and things like that. But to her, it was perfectly fine. She was perfectly fine with it. And when people would come to her and say, is this really what you should be doing? Is this the best lifestyle? Do you really want to change this? And she would say, no. And they'd be looking at her like, well, how can you live in this? Well, like you said, because to her, it's a treasure, it's a comfort. And until she wants to get away from it, they actually made a statement that they said that a lot of people that have this happen, when you clean up their house like that and they didn't necessarily ask for it or want it, that they actually go into a depression, worse problems. And I thought for a second, why would that be? And then it came to mind where the person may think they feel guilty because am I really living this way? And maybe I'm, I really am this person. You start kind of weighing yourself down. It was just curious, like why the person would get more into depression if somebody attempted to come in, maybe it made them, face they have an issue something like that um what if i came into your house and took everything you treasure away from you and tell you that it's the best thing for you why would it not leave you in a state of depression because you didn't want to get rid of it in the first place and therefore i came in and i took all your treasures there's there's no need to wonder why they'd get depressed because if they didn't want it then you're stealing all their their joy that their treasure because that's what they treasure that's what keeps them going and you do it 
thinking that you're doing it for the benefit of them. But that's, uh, when you said that, I was like, yeah, because somebody comes in and steals all your treasures and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You're going to be depressed because you, you, you can't control it. So it's just important to, to recognize that. Well, and I just saw this. That's why Yah doesn't, they don't force anybody to do that because that's what would happen if Yah says, I'm going to come in and clean this up. This is the best for you. Even if it was in the moment, you would have resentment. What, how is this the best for me to lose everything? Because you wouldn't understand and you wouldn't have willingly agreed to it. But what Yah will do is, Yah, I want to change this. Help me to change. Okay, now I'm going to come in. And me coming in as you applying the truth, and yeah, it's not going to feel good, but it's the best thing for you, and you've got to deal with the programming of, yeah, you know what? doesn't matter how I feel. This is the best for me. I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't see it right now, but it's going to be okay to where I could see Yah as being the, that family around because when she was broke down, they said, hey, we're here to support you. We're here to help you, and it made me think of Yah as if you come to us and you genuinely want the help, and you're willing to do what we, we tell you to. Yes, we are here to support you. It's going to be a long road, but we're here to help you. But you're the one that's going to go in there and clean it up. We're not going to sit here and clean it up for you that we've got this big crew that came in with the dumpster and our teachings are here, apply our teachings and you'll be able to, all the help that you need is right here, but you're going to be the one that's got to do the work. We're not going to come in and do it for you. And that's one of the misled teachings is people think that, well, God does everything. And then therefore it's all on God. They do everything. No, Yah enables us to be able to do the work. They give us the tools that we need, just like Lowe's. Now, yes, at Lowe's or Home Depot, you can get a contractor to do something for you. But setting that aside, when you go into Lowe's, they don't do the work for you. They have all the tools necessary. Oh, you need to put in a ceiling fan. All right, we have the ceiling fan. We have the kit. We have screwdrivers. We have a, um, what do you call that thing where you test the wiring, whatever electrical thing we have all that stuff that you need, but no, it, it, you're here to, we're, we're the home improvement. Like Yah is the faith improvement warehouse. We've got everything that you need with the word of God. Now you've got to, you have to come to us and we'll give you the tools and we'll show you how to use the tools, but you've got to do the work in this. And yes, that in faith, there is an intervention you're going to come face to face with God, but okay, do you see what, what work needs to be done and just take our truth and apply it. And then you'll be able to walk as we did, but you've got to do the work. And this is just another, another aspect of understanding faith deeper that everybody hoards and thought about that is that you can hoard and have it be organized. It doesn't, maybe you could call the show like extreme, disorganized hoarding, you know, something like that. But it is, it puts it as a negative, like these poor people, these, these people over here, not me, these people over here are hoarders. That that's what stood out to me was, is that hoarders are other people. They're not me. Cause I don't, I don't live like this. And you know, people come in, how could somebody, one lady said, how could somebody live like this? Well, you're living just like this. You're just not seeing it because you don't, it's just like you're just seeing the speck. You're not seeing the log that you live this exact same way. You just don't see it yourself. And therefore, of course, you're going to point the finger at somebody else. Right. But when somebody puts you in the spotlight, then you act like that person when they were in the spotlight. The issue is, is that when the spotlight is on somebody else, 
then nobody can see mine. I can't even see mine. And so there's not a problem or it's perceived that there's not a problem. But the reality of it is, is that you're not in the spotlight. I'm glad I'm not that person because I'm not like them. But if that light was just all of a sudden turned around on you, you're exactly like them. And it doesn't have to be from the physical perspective. Uh, I would much rather somebody hoard physical things in this life and have them packed so tight in their house that they can't move around than to be hoarding sin in their life and having it packed so tight that you can't move around. And because it's the sin that you hoard that's going to end up in destruction. And why would you want to hoard sin? Because there's something that keeps you in that place of sinning. And so you, we can look at hoarding from all different kinds of perspectives, uh, but a faith perspective is the best. Make sure that you're storing up treasures in heaven, not treasures in hell. And the only way you store up treasures in heaven is by living a righteous life without sin. But you you have to go through the process to learn it. And like you were saying, uh, God will bring things to your attention, and then they leave it alone. Hey, this is a problem. And then they wait. They wait for you to either reject that they showed you was a problem or that you, wow, I didn't realize I was doing that. I, I, I really want to change that. Oh, okay. All right. Now we'll, now we'll come to you and we'll give you the tools that you need to change it, but you're going to have to have the grit and determination and you're going to have to have the elbow grease to get in there and scrub and dig and uh, rip and tear and pull to get the, uh, bad things out and get the good things in. But it is possible then because God's supplying you with all the tools, but they're not going to do it for you. And again, like these shows that you're talking about, the hoarder shows, generally the person who they're cleaning up the house for, generally, what do you see them doing? They're grabbing stuff to put back. They're fighting with the people to, they want to throw stuff away and they keep fighting either putting it back or, well, I'll let this go, but I'm going to bring this back. And what, right. they're, what they're wanting them to do is say, just let us get rid of everything, but they're not willing to do that. Right. But are they going into the house, pulling stuff out and throwing it in the dumpster? No. Why? Because somebody else is stealing my treasures and I'm not letting you take everything that, that I own. So I'm going to fight back because these are my treasures. And, and people wonder why they get upset and bent out of shape and they have a right to get upset and bent out of shape because if you spend the time getting rid of the things that you're hoarding in your mind, the chaos that keeps you awake at night is hoarding. The, the sin that, that runs rampant in your life that you can't get away from, hoarding. We want to make sure that we hoard from the right perspective that we're storing up treasure of God, 
through righteousness, through righteous deeds, righteous acts, and living in accordance to the truth of God. And that's how we will get away from the bad aspect of hoarding. But if you store up anything, then you hoard. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's what you hoard and what is it going to benefit you or cost you in the end? Is it going to gain you a good standing in the eyes of God in the kingdom? Or is it going to uh, put you in eternal burning? And this is the hypocrisy that we see even within the midst of that program that the psychologist or the psychiatrist and the people who are trying to supposedly help this person in their hoarding haven't done nothing to take care of the hoarding that they have, whether it's in their own house, which it is, but also in their uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual mind as well, that they're doing nothing about that because they want to change everybody else's problem. You want to look at everybody else's problems and you're trying to fix them. Again, it's like like you brought up earlier, the golden rule that we uh, go by. If you see it in somebody else, you're doing the very same thing that they're doing. And the more it bothers you that they're doing it, the more you have that problem. And so dig in, get rid of the hypocrisy. You fix yourself. You get rid of the forest in your eye. Then when you can see clearly, then get rid of the speck in somebody else's eye. But don't try to get that speck if that person doesn't come to you asking for help. God's not going to try to jerk somebody's speck out of their eye unless they come to God, hey, I, I have this problem and it's it's really an issue and I want to get rid of it. I need to get rid of it. I, I, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. Then they'll say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll give you the help necessary. But if you don't come to them, you don't come to them in a repentant mindset to turn away from whatever that thing is. They're just going to sit back and watch. I just had this thought go through my mind. If I'm looking at one of your eyes and I can see that you have like a little splinter in it, what are you going to honestly, what would you do if I came over to you and just took and just was bringing my index finger to your eye? Hey, Phil, you got some in your eye. Are you going to go, Oh, thank you. You'd be, you, Hey, Hey, what, what are you doing? So what's easier? Hey, Phil, I've had this before and I can see this. You've got a piece of black pepper. Maybe you were cooking and you rubbed your eyes, but right in the corner, there's a little piece. Oh, Sean. Hey. And, and you do gently yourself. What do you do? You, oh, there it is. Hey, thank you. But if I go to you with a pencil and Hey, I'm going to, this little pencil, it'll, it'll help me get this out of your eye. You're going to, Hey, 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 get away from me with that. What do you, Hey, you need to be fixed. And people will dig in instead of, wow. Because think about it, you've got to have a lot more detail to see that little tiny speck than, Phil, you've got, like Mikhail Gorbachev, you've got just a big red birthmark on your head and I can see it. And no, this is like so small that I got to look really, and I got to look eye to eye to really see that. So look deeper when you see that speck. Do you see? Look at it closer. Oh, that is me. I just wasn't recognizing it because it's so small. And think about it, their log that's sticking out from their eye is that little speck you're seeing. But if you go back to yours, that it's a big forest of trees coming up to that one little point. But all you're seeing is this little, hey, you've got a problem here instead of, no, you're seeing yourself. So go back to yourself. 
and evaluate yourself first in this. And I had this come to mind from our old way of life, living in Christianity, we were going out to people and intervention saying, you need to get your house cleaned up and you need to, do you see that this is out of control and why aren't you getting rid of this stuff and you need to change this and you need to change that. And then we never considered, do we really want people coming at us like this and forcing it down our throat? Or would you just rather people leave me alone and just let me figure it out and just, and we know the answer because why do people get upset when they see that repent or perish sign that somebody's holding out on the street? I know who you are. I see you at work. You're not walking in repentance. You're pointing the finger at me to change my life and you're being a hypocrite because I see the life that you live doing your alcohol and drugs and swearing. And then you're telling me to repent. I'm not listening to that. No, you're trying to get me to change and you're not doing what you're, you're preaching. So I'm not listening to that. What would get me to change would be for me to see a changed life that I can see an example of that I want to follow, but quit telling me that's the thing. How many people stop telling me what to do? Quit trying to get me to change. Leave me alone. Why, how can you help me when you're doing the exact thing in continuation that you're attempting to get me to change? And that's the thing is Messiah did not go to people. You need, you need to No, Now he did preach to the people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he left it alone, kept going. Now somebody says, Lord, what, what is this repentance? What must I do? Okay. Well, I'll talk to you about it. But other than that, you choose to repent. That's, that's on you. He did not browbeat people and go after people. He went, we just talked about this recently. He went up on the mountains and on the lakes because there were so many people to speak to. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to go up on this mountain and speak to all these people. It's just that the crowds were so big that in order for them to hear him, let me speak, let me sit on a boat. So my voice will carry across water. Let me get up on a mountain so you can hear my voice project, but he did not do what people are doing. He did not go door to door telling people, you need to accept me as Lord and savior. You need to do this. You need to do that. People came to him and that's the way we do it. Yah says, go speak to this person, talk to this person. And not only will they, they will tell us that, but then you discern this when you're going to speak to this person, discern it, make a decision, do this, do that. But Messiah is not forcing people to accept a message. The the people that wanted to hear it came to him, just like the rich young ruler. He came to him. Well, you came to me and then you're walking away. Well, you can change your mind, but I'm going to go on and he even told his disciples to do the same thing. If you go and meet with somebody and you sense that there's peace in the house, then you let your peace rest there. If not, you bring your peace back to yourself. You move on, you shake the dust off your feet. You move on to, to somebody else. Quit wasting your time on people that don't want to hear it because you're going to be just spending your time in arguments. And if they don't want it, leave them alone. It's okay. It's okay to do that. Now the people that want to hear it, continue to speak to them. But if you don't fix it in yourself... I don't want to hear it from you. I don't want you telling me that I need to repent of my sin. And you sit there and confess that you continually sin. Those that seek God with all of their heart, that want to know the truth of God, will be, will be willing to do whatever it takes. They will go to any length to get rid of sin in their life because they know that God says, through the word that in him there is no sin. Anyone who continues to sin has not seen or known him. So it's really important that 
you fix it in yourself. Get rid of the hypocrisy. When And truly, somebody might argue with this, but it's it's a fact of the matter that when you see something in somebody else, you see it because you know it, and you know it because you do it. That That's a fact. It's, it's I can watch other people who don't think that they do the same thing that they're speaking about what this other person is doing. And I can sit there in my mind and think, well, you just did that five minutes ago. Or a half an hour after they made that statement, you just did the very same thing that they did, but you don't see it because you're worried about putting them in the spotlight instead of yourself. We would be in a much better place in this world, in the whole world, if people would take the spotlight and shine it on themselves and then use that shining of the spotlight to find all the flaws and defects that I have and fix those and leave everybody else the heck alone because it's not your business. Your business is to have faith in God and to live a life uh, in accordance with that faith, period. It's not to force somebody else to have it. Now, we will... Uh, when Yah says, say this to somebody, we'll say it, but then we'll turn and we'll leave it alone because if you don't want to hear it, I'm not going to continue and give you what you don't want to hear because I'm just wasting the uh, good, precious gift of God. So I'm not going to offer that. You must want to get rid of sin and be willing to do whatever it takes to get rid of it, and God will help you to do that. And how much indignation, longing, and alarm that you go after getting rid of sin will determine how long it takes you to get rid of sin. And so it is really important when we look at the psychology of the mind that the, the One of the biggest problems with the psychology of the mind is when you don't think you have the same problem that somebody else does. That That is key, especially when you see it, because there's a reason you see it, because you don't see everything that that person does that is wrong or that, that might be perceived as wrong. You only see certain things. Why? Because they're familiar to you. Why are they familiar to do be, to you? Because you do them. And this is when you don't take it and turn it back to yourself, you're just continually suppressing the truth of God again, because it's the truth of God that says, stop looking at others and look at yourself. Bring it back to me and let me make sure I'm living it right. And then when somebody comes to me, I can say, hey, I've had that issue. I can help you get past it. But it's like me just let's go storm into a church and go in there and we're going to tell the people that they sin and they need to get away from it. And no, I'm not going to do that because it's not going to be beneficial because they have to want it. Now, if somebody says, you know, I. I know the Bible says that I'm not supposed to sin, and I, I really want to figure out how to get to that point. Can you help me? Uh, can you help me in that? Certainly, we'll, we'll give you what help we can. I uh, will give. We'll give you tools as God gives us tools. 
but you still have to do the work. You're going to have to be the one who repents. You're going to have to one be the one who obeys. You're going to have to be the one who trusts and use your repentance, your obedience and trust as the things you hoard that you store up in heaven and don't worry about earthly things. That it doesn't matter. It's things that you have in this life that that put a sentimental value in your mind, it's not worth it. They're worthless in the realm of faith and God because what happens is that thing that has such a sentimental grip on you becomes an idol for you. You want to know if something is an idol for you? It's the thing that can disappear today and will upset you because it's gone. That's an idol. If it's not an idol, well, I can always get another one or, you know, we'll just figure out how to do without it or whatever it is. But a lot of times it's the sentimental things that people hold on to that they don't recognize are idols. Say it came to mind, Messiah, that the people that claimed to be righteous and knew the truth of God were blind. And he made a, a very stern warning calling them vipers and hypocrites that you're it's the blind leading the blind it's the fact that you're hoarding sin and you don't see it and i'd actually watched a clip i was looking up some stuff on youtube yesterday and this is back in the i've not seen this full movie i think it's like six hours long i didn't even realize that it's the it's called jesus of nazareth it's back in the 60s and they had a clip about the blind man i was like just you know how they portray the the teachings just was curious to watch it and it was I don't remember it actually being like the actual scripture, but the way he spoke it was in my mind, as I heard it, it lined up with the word of God. And what he said was it was the man that was born blind that he healed. And it had the scene was that he opened his eyes and he said he could see. And Messiah said to him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he says, um, sir, who is the son of man so that I may believe in him? And he says, I am, I am he, the one that is standing before you. And he says, you know, Lord, I believe. And then the Pharisees came up and they were saying, is this like the man born blind? And he, and they had said, are we blind too? And he turned around to him and he says, if you were still blind, you would be free from sin. But because you see your sin remains. And they started like, there was a big uproar and it just clicked in my mind. The fact that you've got to come to God blind in order to see that's how you you come to messiah that he's he's able to help the blind see meaning that you get away from sin you're now able to see but if you claim that you're self-righteous that because they even said are we blind too well if you didn't realize that you were blind then your sin remains and it just made me think of what he was telling them was is that you think that by your works of the law that that you're righteous before god but you don't realize that you're blind and this man here that was blind has faith in the son that he's going to be at a point where sin will be taken away from him, but your sin remains because you think you're righteous and no, you're blind. You're, and that's why the warning is you're, you're proclaiming to have the law of God to teach people, but you don't understand the word of God. You don't live it. So therefore you're blind. So stop teaching people the things of God. Now you can profess the things of God as they did. And he told people that, Hey, that when they speak the truth of God to you, that 
you do what they tell you to do, but don't do what they do. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't. And this is key that if two people are blind, you're both going to fall in a pit. You're both going to trip and fall. If you, if you can't see that the problem that the other person that you're seeing is your problem, you're both blind and therefore you can't help each other. So until you can see it clearly, stop attempting to help somebody that's blind because you can't help them. You think you can, but you can. And that was the warning is that people that think they know the truth and aren't walking in it, you're not doing any good. You're just both going to fall into, and we mentioned falling into the pit. Well, ultimately that would be, if you remain in that to the end, you end up in the abyss, you end up in the pit. But what's really resonating in my mind on this is that stop telling people what they must change. You live the faith of God. And if somebody is going to get it, they're going to choose to get it, or they'll see your example and make a decision to do it. But this isn't for us to, and we're not doing this, but it's the goal is not to point the finger at somebody else for the, the just to tell them what to do, tell them what to do, show them what to do by your good conduct. That's the best way to win somebody over. And then they will choose it when they see if they decide that they want to live this, this lifestyle, because we follow the way of Messiah and he did not force people to do anything. He didn't get upset with people if they didn't make a decision. Well, if you decide not to do this, then then that's on you. And this is just a way to open up our minds to realize that there is hoarding going on. But when you take something out that is dysfunctional, make sure you replace it with something that is functional because if not, and you just get rid of stuff, if you don't replace it with something godly, then the old stuff will creep back in. So it's not just that you get rid of the dysfunctional things that you replace them with things that are functional of God. And yes, it is okay to store up. I mean, we can't, we're not going to get to a point where we're just going to get, well, we've got everything that we can get of God and there's no more storage room. No, there's just so much, there's so much room for that. But when something of God comes in, something else must go in order to be replaced. You, you, you don't put the two things together. Like one's got to go or either stay. Right, and it's just like the aspect with the uh, the demons that they, uh, I just lost track of my thought there for that. Oh, when the house is swept clean. Right. Yeah, when the house is swept clean but left unoccupied, then that which you put out will come back, but not only will it come back, it's going to come back with seven others worth it worse than itself. And it's the same thing with hoarding that if you do, if you try to get rid of something in your uh, in your subconscious and you don't replace it you get rid of dysfunction and don't replace it with function dysfunction is going to come back in whether it's the same dysfunction and worse or it's another dysfunction it's still going to be dysfunction and it's not going to be beneficial so you want to make sure that you're removing those things and getting rid of them. And when you get rid of something, you always replace it with something functional in the mind. When your mind is, no, I don't agree with this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to do the opposite of that, you know, whatever it is. No, I'm not going to look at pornography anymore. I'm going to look at the things that are right and fair and just of God. I'm going to look towards heavenly things rather than earthly things. And so you get 
space and you fill that spot so that spot can't be uh, reoccupied by the dysfunction. So it's really important to know that you want to be hoarding the right things, the appropriate things, and getting rid of the inappropriate things. The problem is, is if you don't dig in and see it, then you're just going to continue to work and live within the cognitive dissonance that is a part of your life. And when somebody tries to bring it your attention, I don't have a problem. Not my problem. I don't have a problem. And I can put it right in front of you and I can show you where you're hoarding. I can, I could walk into your house and point out things that, well, you have, when was the last time you used this? Yeah, well, that special occasion that, that that's only one thing but you could go item after item after item and say you don't use this you don't use this and they would get upset because they know that now you're proving me wrong and people don't like to be proved wrong and this is where it's so important for us to have the desire and the willingness to be wrong in order to be right that I'm going to evaluate everything. And if it's wrong, according to God, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to increase and improve and get better because that's what it's going to take. And it does take grit and determination and it takes hard work. It's not a a simple, easy journey. Now, as you journey and you start to change things, then your life gets better. You have more peace. You have more uh, comfort. You have more uh, the ability to be still when what's going on around you because you're you're working these things out. So your life does get better, but it's still a work and it's a work in uh, process and progress so that you will continue to increase and improve along the way as you go. And stress enough the fact of leave the others alone. you know we're doing this podcast for those who want to know the truth of God and we've made some uh, statements along the way and we've uh, impressed some things uh, from a trying to convince perspective of people who don't want to know the truth but the reality is, is that this is for people who want to know the truth. And so if you don't like it, you don't uh, want it, then set it aside because it's not for you. But if you want to know the truth of God and you want to figure out your life and you want to be able to get rid of sin, you want to get rid of the hoarding of the bad things that uh, you have mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, you want to be able to be mentally balanced and not mentally imbalanced, That w- that when a situation happens, you don't lose control and have a fit of rage, but you have control and you control yourself in the midst of that feeling that you have to say, no, I'm not going to act like that because it's not beneficial to me. It's not beneficial to the other person. And therefore I'm not going to act a fool in the midst of it going to bring out an important point here we had brought this up i'm i'm certain we have but it's just coming to mind to bring this up again we when we say the word hypocrite and what a hypocrite is 
a hypocrite is you pretending you not considering whatever you're telling somebody else to change you're not making any effort in changing your conduct in the situation all you're doing is you're telling somebody else to change something you're telling somebody well if you don't accept jesus as lord and savior you're going to hell or if you don't do this then then you're wrong or you're committing adultery because you did this but you don't you make a profession but being a hypocrite is from from remember it is the greek hypocritos which means you're a stage actor you're um like an actor that you're just pretending and even y'all warn the people that don't repent in pretense don't pretend meaning you're going through the motions of telling somebody like you need to stop you committed adultery because you did this but then but your actions are the opposite of what you're saying you can say things messiah wasn't saying don't tell people the truth but don't live a different life than what you're telling somebody else to do because that's what they were doing that's why he called them hypocrites brood of vipers you know you uh, what's that i get this mixed up that you try to strain out a gnat and try to pull it i can't remember what it is but you know what i'm talking about that you're you're you use the instead of the more important members of the law you're so stuck on these little piddly things instead of justice and mercy the greater aspect of the law like you 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 really are a disservice to people because you're telling them what to do but you don't help them by living it and giving them an example that quit telling people stop telling people to change something if you yourself are not have you set your mind to actually live that and you're making changes that's not being a hypocrite and that's what messiah was warning about do you remember what i'm right. talking about yes yeah, so i Stop going to extremes to strain out a gnat when you'll swallow a camel. Swallow a camel. That was it. Right. So you, you'll you'll nitpick at something somebody else is doing, but you yourself will swallow a camel because, well, it's not me. I'm, I'm righteous because I have the law. And it's like, no, you're not. You, you're not righteous. You're only righteous when... You have circumcision of the heart. That's where you're now. You have a credit of righteousness, but that credit has to be paid because a credit is something you pay back. A debt is something you own. And so you get a credit of righteousness when you repent to God, and that's where you get the forgiveness of sins. But you have to get the circumcision of the heart so that you have a debit of righteousness now, and therefore there is no payment that you need to make, which means sin has been removed and you don't have to deal with it. How bad, how desperate are you to get away from the sin that you know is wrong? You know you're not supposed to be doing it, but you try to buy the fact that, well, I, I, try, I attempt to get away from sin, so that must count for something. No. Are you as desperate as the young men who climbed up on the roof and cut a hole in the roof to get their friend down in front of Messiah for him to be healed? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get yourself in that position? Because that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to uh, give up yourself, your selfishness. And you were exactly right earlier when you said that the thing you hoard without faith in God is self. 
because you're preservation right you're storing everything up for yourself you're loving yourself you're doing everything that you think is best for yourself it's not necessarily best for yourself if it doesn't line up with faith then it's not best for you but you think because of the way you've been programmed that this is best for me and so that's why you do the things that you do is because in your lower conscience, you've been programmed to think that that is the best thing for you, even if it is somebody that abuses you. You you go back to that person because you think it feels right. You think that the, because that's what your programming says because you grew up with an, uh, an abusive parent and your programming is, well, that's what life is. So if I have an abusive husband, then that's what life is. And I will always go back to that abusive husband unless I recognize that it's wrong. And then I decide I want to make a change and I'm going to make a change. And then you can get away from the abusive perspective. But it's a reality of programming that people don't recognize and understand and don't want to accept the fact that you are programmed in this life. Uh, Some things are programmed by your control some things are programmed by your parents control and then some things are programmed by other people's control but you allow them in because you're not evaluating and making sure they line up with the truth of god first so our responsibility when we have the fullness of faith is to make sure now what we're putting in our lower conscience we know consciously that it's in there we know why it's in there so that we can recall it and we can give a good answer for it. Because I know you asked me why I did this thing. I can tell you why I did it instead of saying, oh, I don't really know why I did that. And a lot of people don't know consciously why they do something. But subconsciously, They have a reason behind what they're doing. And without faith in God, that reason will always be self. I don't care how much they want to color code it to make it seem like they're doing something for somebody else in their lower conscience. It is satisfying some aspect of uh, self in the midst of it. And the only way you can get away from that is through faith in God and getting away from sin, and God will then give you the tools necessary to be able to do it. It's an absolute must that you have to learn how to do these things, but people aren't being taught this, so the only ones that are truly going to recognize it and see it and be able to get away from it are the ones that are seeking God with all of their heart and have the grit and determination that they're willing to do whatever it takes if it means I have to cut a hole in the roof to get in there, to get in front of Messiah, that's what I'm going to do. I don't care, God, whatever it takes, you show me what it is, and I will do it. Those will be the people that will be fully committed, and they will be the ones that will be given the strength. The eyes of the Lord range back and forth throughout the whole earth, searching to strengthen the heart that is fully committed to them. So you put yourself in a full commitment to God with the willingness to, to do anything it takes to do what's right. You will find a place of no sin 
with absolution, without fail, and you will be able to recognize and understand that while others will sit back and profess that it's an impossibility. And for somebody to, to claim they have faith in God and then to claim that something is impossible, then there's a problem because the Bible that I read says that with God, all things are possible. So if I'm with God, this is possible. Now, will God actually allow me to achieve that? Well, it depends. But it is possible. Now, when we talk about things like sin, that's an absolute possibility, but only with God, because the Bible says in him there is no sin. It, it makes it distinctly clear that if you have faith, you will not sin, and therefore it is a possibility, but it's only a possibility with faith in God, with your willingness to die to self and your willingness to do whatever it takes to do what is right according to God for their glory, for their glory, not yours. Well, it just clicked in my mind with the rich young ruler that that's a beautiful representation of self-preservation. He wasn't willing to give up his treasure, which was his self, his riches. And it was proven that, well, I've, I've kept all the commands from my youth. Well, the one thing you like, go and sell everything and give it to the poor. Well, why did he not want to let go? Because the selfishness. I thought of that woman that had the blood condition that in this day and age, well, I'll just, Messiah will come to me. And then when he comes to me, then I'll be healed. If I could only touch the hem of his garment. And she, I don't know how, but it was portrayed like she's clawing and moving people and just a touch. Well, what faith that she has that I know he's going to heal me. He's the son of God. He's got all the power that I know I'll be healed. And who touched me? What do you mean? Who touched you? Look at all these people. And she wasn't like, yeah, that's right. You should have healed me. It was, you know, Lord, that humility. And well, your faith has healed you because you were willing to move through a crowd. And how many other people there possibly were ill like her, but didn't reach out like that? Well, I don't want to bother him. I don't want to No, I, I know that he'll heal me. I've seen the miraculous signs. I know he's the son of God, that he's got the power. We've seen the power come out. We've seen the dead raised and he'll heal me. But even though she was healed physically, the ultimate goal is to be healed spiritually with circumcision of the heart. So, but I would, I, I could see that her continuing on that she believed in him, that ultimately she would have that that's in Yah's hands, but, but to have that faith that she wasn't willing to just sit idly by and be like, well, if he comes over, you know, maybe that, no, I'm going to him because I know he's got the healing power. And that's what that she wouldn't have been healed if she didn't have faith because he said power came out from me mother's ability to heal mother was with him. So it's mother's power resting on him that that's what healed her. And he, he wasn't like, what are you touching me for? It was, wow, great is your faith that, that you're healed. And I remember this scripture as well, that Yah knows and they see the actions of the person that proves the faith because they said, rend your heart, not your garments. Well, I did repent. I repented to God. Yeah, but I'm not looking for a verbal, I repented. I'm looking for a change in conduct, a change of direction, because even Paul said that he preached re to preach them repentance and to prove the repentance by their deeds. So don't say I repent and then just throw ashes on yourself. Actually have a contrite spirit, a contrite heart of turning to God in that brokenness 
I will see your repentance by your change of behavior. And that's why a lot of the people that go to jail, why do they keep going back to jail and, and crime and back to jail? Because there's no repentance of what they're doing. There's no attempt to get away from and say, I'm never coming back in this jail again because I'm changing my conduct. That's ultimately the person that they're looking to parole. And that's the thing with ABBA, you, you get a, a parole that I'll set you free from this prison and my son, but you're going to prove that change life through repentance before you're going to be released from this prison that you're, I'm going to watch your conduct, even though you still sin, but you're battling it tooth and nail with your mind. And I'm going to watch you and test you to see, are you really serious about even shedding your blood to get away from sin? You are? Okay. Then I'll lead you to my son and he'll show you that it's about laying your life down for your friends because he even said, no greater love is this that you lay your life down for your friends. Well, at that point, Yah becomes your friend. You lay your life down for them. They give you circumcision of the heart because there's an, there's a scripture in Hebrew. that says that you haven't um, come to the point of shedding your blood in your fight against sin, meaning you haven't been crucified with Christ. You're on the journey. But think about that. You haven't come to the point of shedding your blood in your fight against sin. How many people talk about that in Christianity that you're fighting against sin, not, well, yeah, we all sin and no, but it says your fight against it, meaning your repentance. I'm not ever doing this again. I don't care. This is not appropriate. And you do it. No, I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. You're fighting against sin, but you're not at the point of shedding your blood yet, but you're fighting it tooth and nail. Like this is not acceptable. It's not, well, yeah, I've, I've sinned. Yeah. But it makes it clear that you've got to fight against it tooth and nail, meaning you're not okay with this. And then yeah, will release you from it when they see that you're fighting it tooth and nail, that you don't want to have anything to do with it again, but that's not being taught. It's just being taught. You just confess your sins. We're all sinners. No confessing. It means you own it. I'm, I'm guilty. I'm the one that's done this and I'm never doing it again. Okay. Well, you'll be tested in that for a time just to see if you truly mean it and all of this. So yeah, this is just a, another aspect of just learning more about the mind because this goes with the gospel message, because this will help you go through the gospel message. If you can understand why you're doing what you're doing, then you can change your behavior. Cause that's what repentance is. Repentance not only is a change of direction, it's a change of conduct. It's you changing your behavior to line up with God and what they do. And that's why they say, be holy as I'm holy. So that means you've got to change something that, I don't live the way that you live and until you turn to them, I'm going to show you how to live the godly life, but you've got to make changes. You've got to do the work. Paul said, I'm going to beat my body into submission. I, uh, you have first between repentance and circumcision of the heart. It's a fierce battle that continues on and you will sin, but will you battle against it continually? without giving up or giving in that God, I'm going to fight this till the day I die. That even if I never overcome it, even if I never stop, I know it's wrong. I'm not going to do it. Well, once you prove that, uh, faithful to God, then that's when you get to circumcision of the heart. So you will not have to battle against sin anymore, but you will have to battle against the body of flesh. You will have to, they, like Paul said, beat my body into submission. Why? Because now I have the ability, I'm master over sin. Sin, The sinful nature has been taken out of my heart and put in my body of flesh. Now I'm going to control this sin 
and I'm going to control the body of flesh and I'm not going to let it have its way within me. And it's interesting because God does not give us any task that is impossible for us to achieve. If uh, Messiah said, and he did, leave your life of sin, then it's a possibility to leave your life of sin. If he says, go and stop sinning so that something worse will not happen to you, then you can stop sinning. The problem is, is that the hoarding, a lot of the hoarding that's going on in the world uh, from a faith perspective is they're hoarding up the things that their itching ears want to hear, that we're going to hold on to those things because that makes me feel good, and that's my treasure. My treasure is, oh, yeah, just, man, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and everything's fine, and everything's good, and and they don't realize. It's not a conscious thing, but that's the hoarding that they're doing is they're hoarding up that uh, aspect. And, you know, what keeps somebody that knows they're not supposed to sin, what keeps them in sin? What keeps them from doing what's necessary to prove to God you're not going to sin so you can get away from sin instead of just lingering in it for years and years and years. And, you know, we've said this before that they, you've got to start the journey somewhere. And when you start the journey, it's a start that never finishes. It's the circular perspective that you start searching God with all of your heart to know the truth. And then you never stop that. God will guide you along the journey. But until you prove faithful in every step, they can't strengthen you to the next step because they have to be able to see your full commitment. Again, the eyes of the Lord range back and forth throughout the whole earth, searching to find the heart that is fully committed to them. So they want to see if your heart is fully committed to seeking with all of your heart. Then they want to see if your heart is fully committed to believing them. Then they want to see if your heart is fully committed to uh, believing in them. And is your heart fully committed to repentance? And then is your heart fully committed to obedience? And then is your heart fully committed, uh, committed to trust? It's all the aspects of things that you need to be hoarding up. Do it by full commitment to all of those things. Now, you do it one step at a time. You, if, you're, if you decide to seek God with all of your heart, you can't be focused on anything else seeking with all of your heart. Otherwise, you can't be committed into seeking with all of your heart because your focus is on something else. <clears throat> and so... Uh, at each step in the process, when you prove to God your full commitment in each step in the process, that's when you'll have the ability to move to the next step. And then when you move to the next step, then you prove to God that you're going to be faithful in believing them. Then you're going to prove faithful in believing in them and step by step, but only at the step you're at 
and hit it with full commitment. And when you have the full commitment and God sees that, then they give this, you the strength and the understanding that you need to say, okay, now we're going to move you on to Messiah. And then down the, the uh, journey as we go. So the things you want to be hoarding is you want to hoard up the seeking with all of your heart, the believing God. And you don't ever want to stop that. It's a continual thing because as you're seeking with all of your heart and you're doing that fully committed and you've proven that, you will continue to seek with all of your heart as you do the next step. As you're fully committed to that, you will also be fully committed to the uh, seeking with all of your heart. And as you hold on to each one of those n- new steps along the way, then you're storing up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. And whatever we have here, it's only temporal. You can't take it with you. It's going to end up in the, the landfill. You can go out today and buy a brand new car. But that car is going to end up in the junkyard. It's a fact. And even uh, probably quicker than the cars of the past, because the cars of the past were built more for the longevity. And you see cars that are 50, 60 years old that are running good. These cars today, they're not going to make it 40, 50 years. No, they're going to make it. Uh, maybe 12 to 15 and then they're going to end up in a junkyard because they're, they're not made with the same quality, the same, uh, longevity that it was before. So just, uh, important things that we need to know that the full commitment to God is what God is looking for. And so in your seeking them with all of your heart, then you're fully committed to it, then you're going to see God as a terror and you're going to recognize who you are and you're going to believe them and you're going to believe in them and you will go through all the steps. And I want to encourage anybody who's uh, listening to this that is seeking with all of your heart that you really want to know, make sure you're fully committed to that and then just work in that in full commitment and God will show you the next step. And if there's a a point that we could be a help to you, then let us know. We'd be uh, more than happy to help. But the greatest help we can be is not even us doing this podcast, but it's us living it first before we talk about it on the podcast. So we make sure that we're not hoarding and we're getting rid of the hoarded stuff that was in our lower conscience from, for me, almost 60 years of stuff that's in the conscience that was hoarded up that now that the door is open for the, I may to be able to remove the trash. I need to be digging through the trash and we want to dig into the subconscious, dig into the past and get rid of the hoarding that is not good in the um, spirit, mind, and body as we travel along in this faith journey. Well said, Phil. I think we'll wind it up for the night. Had really good discussion. And uh, once again, appreciate everybody listening in and those seeking with all your heart. Just like, like Phil had said, just 
focus on wherever you are and y'all will move you to the next step when you are proven faithful in that area. But thank everybody for listening in and um, we will see you on the next podcast, Lord willing, uh, this coming Saturday. Have a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.